like to direct your attention to the book of Jude. Verse number 20. Now, for the last two Wednesdays, I've said this is going to be short and sweet. I did not mean to lie. I feel like little George Washington with that axe. Um, hey, if God takes over, that's what we want. Come on, somebody. That's what we want. But um, I really, <laughs> if you still believe me after all that, I really do believe that this is going to be short and sweet. Um, Book of Jude, verse number 20 and verse 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying. Everybody said praying. Say it again. In the Holy Ghost. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. And those two, I know that there is a division and a distinction that was placed there by Trinitarian translators, but I really believe that verse number 20 in the first sentence, 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, go together, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And I want to talk to us about a revival of prayer. Let's pray. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. Thankful for your spirit that is so, so available tonight. And I believe as the end time continues to accelerate, the spirit of God is going to be so there, so there, so there, so available, so immediate. We thank you for it. Pray that you touch us and talk to us tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All that we are, all that we aspire to be, all that we hope to be with all of that with all of that that's been reviewed many 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 times people come in our, our evangelist that was here and did we not hear some preaching yesterday or I'm getting all messed up Sunday Ladies and gentlemen, if you heard preaching yesterday, you were in the rain. And uh, I pulled up to the picnic, and I thought, there, there ain't going to be nobody here. Was I wrong? 
you are not going to keep Pentecostal people from food. And uh, woe unto the person that attempts to do such, such foolish things. But uh, I was there uh, until I just could not take the windshield uh, and the wind shear. And by the time I got in my vehicle, it was 55 degrees. And my wife, listen, I used to party with some real crazy people. My wife can party me under the table in the Holy Ghost. She did not get home until 5 o'clock. And I'm thinking, 7? See what I'm saying? I waltzed into the house with the t my tail between my legs at about 2 o'clock. And uh, she said, honey, you should have stayed. The sun came out. And we broke out the barbecues. We played volleyball. And uh, just made me feel really bad. And there were some people that didn't even show up because of the wet weather, and, and I get all that, and you're not, you're not being chastised for that. But there is no party like a Holy Ghost party, and a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Yeah. Unless it's cold. Unless it's wet. Unless it's windy. I love this scripture found in the book of Jude. There's a lot to be said about the way that the New Testament is laid out. It was not laid out haphazardly or casually. Um, it was laid out with definitely spiritual intent. Once you leave the pastoral epistles, and you get into the general epistles, <coughs> excuse me, you will begin to see a lot more references to end time things, most notably, most notably, when you start getting into book of James, first and second Peter, one, two, three, John, and then the book of Jude, you're going to see a lot more referencing to false brethren and false prophets and false teachers right up until we get up into the book of Revelation. I believe that that is spiritually on purpose as we get closer and closer to the end time. The New Testament begins with people coming into the church. And then as we get closer and closer to the end, the book of Revelation, you start to see where the church is being judged and false prophets, false witnesses, and all that kind of stuff. When you get to the book of Jude, which is an incredible book, one chapter, but it packs an incredible supernatural punch. You come to this incredible verse of Scripture. There's all kinds of uh, identifying, denouncing false brethren and some of the spiritual characteristics of that. But when you get to verse number 17, he starts addressing the church. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. See what I'm saying? You start hearing a lot of those kind of more scriptures as you get closer to the book of Revelation who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. Everybody said lust. 
Trust me, there's a lot of it around. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. I don't have time to get into all that, but it's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal. Um, there's people that just that just don't want to associate with the church, even though they claim to be in the church. And this is putting the finger of the word of God, at least on one of the characteristics of that, is the fact that they are sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying, everybody said praying, in the Holy Ghost. Yesterday was just a perfect, pardon me, I keep, keep thinking yesterday was Sunday. Um, on Sunday, our good evangelist, um, was very complimentary um, to this church and said some very wonderful things and all of our guest speakers do and you know we're not we don't prep them to do that we don't tell them to do that obviously that would be that would not be right but a lot of wonderful things are said about cornerstone but you know it's a little bit like cologne you put a little bit of it on you don't ingest it because you'll get sick when somebody gives you a compliment, you can't go crazy with it. You have to keep it in the right perspective. Um, and there's a lot of things that Cornerstone is known for. Cornerstone is known for a church that loves apostolic doctrine, loves apostolic preaching, um, loves revival, loves to worship God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as the pastor... It is critical that we are known first and foremost as a praying church. Um, you, can have, you can have all of the compliments and you can have all of the, the buildings and you can have everything. You can have it all and yet not have God. You can be sitting on a pew tonight. You can be well-dressed, well-groomed. Um, you're in the right place. You're there at the right place at the right time. All that behavioral, the behavioral characteristics of a church. But if it's not a praying church, I mean, like if you're on the pew and you're well-dressed and you're well-groomed and you know you're, not, you're supposed to be here and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to have that and not have prayer to have this great music. And I want to tell you, this music, um, we're blessed around here. But to have all this and you don't have prayer. Okay, to have the great coffee shop. Somebody say something. Do something. Coffee. I do not want to hear of anybody going to Starbucks when our coffee shop is open. Put your money where your morals are. But I want to tell you something. With the great coffee shop and, and designer bathrooms and, 
and the bookstore is going to be open this Sunday, and our prayer room will be done by the end of next month. We're going to have a big screen in it that scrolls prayer requests 24 hours a day. All of the architectural accoutrements. If you have all this and you don't have prayer, You can have the custom carpet. You can have the custom clothing. You can have custom friends. And you can have certain, certain choreographed relationships. And you, you can try to posture yourself and position yourself and build a facade and build a reputation. Come on, somebody. But all of that without prayer. You can have a Bible quizzing team. You can have wonderful parents and a wonderful coach and, and a quiz master and all this. But if you don't have prayer... Ladies and gentlemen, none of this is worth anything unless we have prayer. You can run these aisles until you wear your shoes out. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a prayer life, it's nothing. You can have a great lighting system, PA, screen. You can have all this stuff. But unless this church knows how to pray... I want you to clap your hands right now. God sent me to this place with a word for this assembly. You can be sitting here tonight making room to be here, but unless you've got a prayer life. That's right. Zero. Don't tell me the people that have backslid, you want to know why they backslid? They quit praying. Now tell me, is prayer, if you pray, you will stay. If you fast, you will last. Come on, I didn't come to get ugly. I didn't come to get any of that. But I'm telling you, we need a revival of prayer. You need to get out of your easy chair and get on your knees and let God know. It's time for Cornerstone to just quit saying you're Pentecost, but show the spirit world, I am Pentecost. I know how to bring his power down. I know how to bring his glory down. I know how to get into the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to pray. If you don't have a prayer life, stay off this platform. If you don't have a prayer life, stay out of your department. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your name is. I love you. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm just... I'm, this is what I'm called to do. You do what you're called to do. I'm doing what I'm called to do. We don't need a performance. We don't need to go through the motions. We don't need hypocrisy. We don't need duplicity. We don't. This is not ugly. This is revival. Prayer will bring your children back. Prayer will bring your healing. Prayer will bring the miracles. Prayer will bring the wonders.
Let's clap our hands and give God real praise. This is a church that hears from God. This is a church that gets a word from God. If you pray, you ain't going to fall into the lust of the flesh. If you pray, you ain't going to lose your good spirit. If you pray, you ain't going to let some ding-dong little deal offend you. If you pray, you ain't going to lose your anointing. If you pray, you ain't going to lose God's favor. If you pray, you're not going to end up in the pastor's office. If you pray, you're not going to be contemplating internet pornography. If you pray, come on, some of the old ones, help me out right now. I've come with a word from God. We don't need to be entertained. You don't want performance. You can tell the difference. Pastor, I've got a really important position. The most important thing you can do is not your position. It's not your title. It's your prayer life. If you're in the music department and you don't have a prayer life, do us all a favor. Stay off the platform until you get a prayer life. If you're an usher and you're not praying, do us all a favor and do not be an usher until you have a prayer life. If you're part of the administration of this church, I thank God for you, but don't show up until you've got a prayer life. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this is what will bring the miracles of that book and the wonders of that book and the signs of that book. There's people here today that have talked about in the last week, where are the healings and where are the signs and where are the wonders? Ladies and gentlemen, it's not a program. It's not a rock and roll ministry group. It's not a preacher with degrees. It is prayer. My greatest memories with God is not running the aisles. And I love it. I'm over 60 years old, and I'll still take a lap if I get half a notion. But I don't run to get a blessing. I run because I am blessed. That's, that's what some of you need to figure out is I ain't going to pray because God ain't going to nude does it. You know what? You ain't got a prayer life. You have to get beyond the resistance of your flesh. And it's because it's a love issue. If you'll love God, you'll enjoy talking to him. And you're already going to make up your mind. My flesh is not going to stop my love affair. There ain't no devil that's going to stop my love affair. There's not all the headaches I got from the job that's going to stop my love affair. It is a love affair with God that takes me to prayer and keeps me there. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Let me get back up here where I belong. I stay a little nicer up here. My greatest experiences with God is not preaching. 
And I love the Word of God, and I love the ministry. I love what God has done in my life. But my greatest experience and my greatest memories that are held so dear to me are those moments that I met with him in prayer. Let's lift our hands all over this building. The Holy Ghost sent me here today to let you know he's waiting on you in prayer. Not out in the woods, not recreating, not on a boat, not on a four-wheeler, not in our little coffee shop, but in prayer. Now let's lift our hands and let's, let's do some of this right now. That's why some of you are struggling to get to the next level. It ain't going to come any other way but slipping through that veil that separates the flesh into the spirit from the holy place to the holy of holies where we are awed by the demonstration of the Shekinah. I asked the question myself as a pastor, <clears throat> pastor in a great group of people, where's the miracles? Where's the signs and wonders? And the answer comes back to me. Second Chronicles 7.14, please, brother. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, why? Put humility right there. Because we have become convinced that we can do it. Man, I don't like this tonight. Pastor not making me feel good. Is that what is that what all this is about? Making you feel good? Man, I'm trying to get you to heaven. There ain't going to be no good shop lollipop that leaves runway number one going to heaven. If you get to heaven, it's going to be cheap at any price. It's going to cost everything you've got. But some of us have learned how to be apostolic. We have learned how to be Pentecostal. We have learned to go through the motions. We... Can somebody help me out tonight? I'm trying, I'm trying to bring a revival that'll bring those backsliders home, that'll bring those loved ones home, that'll bring your son home, that'll bring your daughter home, that'll bring that backslider in. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and clap your hands and give God the praise. It's not waving our hands. It's going to bring a backslider home, but it's slipping out of the bed in the midnight hour where it's you and God and the devil, and you and God build a connection, and God answers your prayer. We become so self-sufficient. I'm trying to convict you, not condemn you, but that's the truth. We look at prayer like it's a last resort instead of the, the act of our first love. 
shall humble themselves and pray and not seek my hand just to be the beneficiaries of our needs. He said in Matthew chapter number 6, the Father has knowledge of what you need of. But could it be possible that the Father in his infinite wisdom has left those needs there to bring us to him? And if he removes the need... My greatest experiences have been in a prayer room, a prayer meeting with my God. I'll never forget as a new convert, cleaning up as a, as a house painter, and the Holy Ghost telling me, I can't wait to spend time with you. And I would say, I can't wait to be with you either. And I'd get into my prayer place in my bedroom. And that's where I would be for several hours. As I was lost in another world. We need a revival of prayer. You know, a lot of churches don't even have prayer rooms. You have a prayer room. Um, it's hard to get real deep in there. It's loud, and it's kind of a skinny hallway back there, but we're going to have, Lord willing, we'll have our prayer room on the other side of that wall. will be done by the end of this month where we can go in. We're going to encourage the entire congregation to visit that prayer room. Hardly any churches, any of any denomination, any persuasion have all-night prayer meetings or a night designated for an all-church prayer meeting. As long as I am on this side of eternity, prayer will be on the top shelf. You don't have to say anything, just, just breathe and look. As long as I'm the pastor, prayer will be on the top shelf among this group of people. Because it's not your good looks, your education, your influence, your reputation, our ability to push this button and that button that makes things happen. But it's relationship with God. Pastor, there's a sin problem. You know what the answer to your sin problem is? Prayer. Well, we need to, go, we need to find a good therapist. Hogwash. Whew. Man, if you guys will come back on Sunday, I'll preach something better. Pastor, we're tired. 
I know you are. I thank God that some of you are real men. You get up, you go to work, you hit it every day, you're responsible. I appreciate that. But just think of how powerful. I would that men everywhere lifting up. Holy hell, come on somebody right now. That's what turns God on. Is when a man works all day, but his priorities are right. And he said, no, 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 no. We're going to the house tonight. And then God says, didn't, he, didn't they ask for this? And didn't they ask for that? And didn't, come on somebody, I'm trying to reach somebody tonight. A praying man turns God on. Somebody lift your voice and give God the pray. God will remember you when the devil raises up against you. God will remember your... When you seek his face, he'll remember your face. The apostolics used to be the people on the other side of the tracks, clapboard buildings. Big old freight train come by, something fall off the wall. They were just happy to be who they were. Today, we've got some of the greatest. We're sitting on eight figures. Had a real estate agent two weeks ago. Came in and visited me. He said, Pastor, he said, this, your, this church has, your properties are valued over eight figures. I can't even count that high. I don't even know where to put the, the decimal point. I don't even know where to put that apostrophe. But I'll tell you one thing I do know. I know how to get on my knees and pray and say, God, you gave me that promise. You told me that was going to happen. And you stand back and watch what God does. We're not here because of an organization. We're here because of a prayer and an individual that touches God. Somebody clap your hand. Somebody say, I want to be that kind of a person. Somebody... Yes, I want a revival of souls, but we ain't never going to get there till we have a revival of prayer. Yes, I want a revival of miracles and the supernatural, but we're never going to taste it until we have a revival of prayer. Come into this building tomorrow. I've done it, you've done it. Sometimes you, you say, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to talk to God, and, and, and it, it just happens. Please, if you have to visit with somebody, do not do it in the sanctuary during all church prayer meeting. Do it out in the vestibule. Amen. All right, man, you got my attention. All right, what did you want to tell me? Uh, were you still interested in buying that riding lawnmower for me and my wife? Dude, you stopped my prayer meeting to ask if I was going to buy your riding lawnmower? All right, man. I'm in here. What did you want to talk about? Where are you guys going out to eat after service tonight? Is that all you can think about is your flesh? Man, we're in here trying to touch God. I got lost kids. I ain't got time to be talking about going to Denny's. Get in here and help me pray, and let's shatter the glass roof and touch God and let his train fill the temple. You ain't going to need a therapist. You ain't going to need a 12-step program. You ain't going to need another book by some lost worldly person. 
prayer. Somebody clap your hands and lift your voice and let's let this place roar. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 was not a Holy Ghost filled prayer meeting. It was a gathering of obedience. God moved after. Jesus said, go back and wait for the promise of the Father. Amen. So in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all together. Nobody on the golf course. Nobody cutting their lawn. And when they all got together and got in one mind and one accord, something happened. I really believe that we're sitting potentially on one of the greatest revivals this nation has ever known. You're saying, Pastor, I don't know if I believe all that. Well, just, all right. Just help me pray and see what happens. The Northwest is the last region in America to be broken by Pentecost. God always saves the best for last. Come on, somebody. You're not here by mistake. If you're here by mistake, you're here on purpose now. And God's saying, now that you're here, you might as well link arm in arm and let's have a real move of God. Not a boardroom move of God, not a demographic move of God, not, not something trying to figure out by the mind of men. But when people get together and they begin to get in one mind and one accord, and God said, that's all I need for an open portal. That's all I wanted to preach today. We need a revival of prayer. I wonder what would happen if we had a 24-hour prayer chain in this building. I wonder what would happen if we had sign-up sheets like we did about four months ago for 24-hour prayer meeting, we struggled to bridge some of those hours together. With a church of 300 people, that should have been, that should have been a walk in the park. I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not anything. I just realize God knows more than I do. God's trying to give us the key. 
just old-fashioned, falling in love with Jesus and spending time with him. I was praying yesterday in my living room. My wife is over partying. The spirit world will know that you're really living for God if you can do it when nobody's home. Because men struggle with being all by themselves. A man without a prayer life? Is this okay? I'm getting... Is this okay back there? You on the back row back there. Is this all right? You're not sure? You like it? Turn it down. Pew needs more padding. A man that does not have a prayer life is a ticking time bomb if he spends a lot of time in private. And he will probably end up giving himself to compulsive addictions. When the supernatural sees you get on your knees, the angels are saying, devil, the party's over. You want your kids to come back? Get all alone and say, no, this is dedicated to God. Get all by yourself and say, I'm not dedicating this to watching junk on YouTube. I'm dedicating this to going to God and spending time with my God. YouTube and social media has destroyed the prayer lives of thousands. Brother and Sister Kifle, I apologize. You came here thinking you were going to hear something real good. I don't want to preach good. I want to be good. I don't want to preach real good and then not live real good. I'd rather do my best and preach in broken English like the apostles did. That's a joke. Do not get on this platform if you are not praying. And I'm not talking about walking around saying hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm talking about you getting into a corner. And before it's all over, your nose is in the carpet. And before it's all over, the God of heaven is off his throne. And he's right there with you. And he's listening to every request. And he knows the desires of your heart. Oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I want a revival of prayer. Thank God for all this, but it's nothing without prayer. Come on, lift your voice, clap your hands, give God the praise. I'm almost done. I got down to pray, 
I'm going to tell you how bad the devil will try to prevent you from going through that veil. We call it praying through. But once a year, the high priest would go through those three veils that separated the holy place into the holiest of all. And once he was in that place, he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and the sins of that nation were rolled ahead again another year. But he was the only human being that was allowed to go from the holy place into the holiest of all. Well, when Jesus said, it is finished, that veil was rent in twain, which signified that the way into the holiest of all is now made available to all human beings. And when you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you, you go in there and you can come in with boldness. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Don't stand on the outside and wring your hands and say, I'm miserable. I, I, I did this. I did that. He already knows what you did. Come boldly that we may obtain grace and mercy to help in time of need. It's old-fashioned preaching, Elder. Old-fashioned preaching tonight. All this new stuff where it's ripped jeans and facial hair that looks like a modern rock star or a baseball player. There's, there's huge apostolic movements that are all fighting for wearing beard. Go ahead and wear your beard, but don't round the corner of it. It's supposed to look like the Orthodox Jews. But no, we want it to be tailored like Brad Pitt. We want it to have like a, like a five o'clock shadow that has a sensual appeal to it. No, that was God's whole point. We're not going to model this after the Egyptians. We're not going to model this after the Babylonians. To argue the point of facial hair and not leave it orthodox is to lose the argument on principle. I'm not being ugly. I'm telling the truth. I want a revival of prayer. Not seeing how close we get to the world. Everybody wants to get closer, closer, closer. As close as we can get to the world. Isn't there anybody like the old timers? And when I say old timers, I am not being rude and I am not being unkind. I'm saying that that generation that dug this out, we should be walking in the same path. Instead of leaders that are saying, well, you know, I don't want to put that on the people and I don't want to put you. Get out of the way. You're not even called to God. A man that's called of God says, let's get this thing back on track. Let's get this thing close to the book. Let's walk by the power of the Spirit of Christ. The answer to your problem is a simple five-letter word, J-E-S-U-S. If you fall in love with God, prayer will never be looked at like it's work, and it will never be looked at like it's a chore. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I've disappointed God so many times. 
I am not the personification of perfection, but I can tell you this. After coming out of a prayer meeting, I found out that his love is eternal. It's inexhaustible. Let's lift our hands. God's waiting right where you left him. At a place. Maybe you're like Jacob and it's a Bethel. Maybe you're like Abraham and it was Moriah. Let's stand tonight. Before there can be any kind of any other kind of revival, the preeminent revival is a revival of prayer. Prayer. Pastor, I'm with you tonight. I know in my heart and I know in my spirit that it's the truth. If you really feel that way, would you make yourself down to the front? I really know in my heart and I know in my spirit, <clears throat> people don't backslide when they pray. People don't get bitter when they pray. People don't talk about every other, other people when they pray. People aren't looking for a way out of commitment when they pray. People are not looking to get out of the call of God when they pray. was the answer in the beginning. It's the answer tonight. I hope what we're feeling is conviction tonight, not condemnation, because this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of coming up higher, going farther, going deeper going far beyond the minimal religious expectations of our flesh and finding that place where we know him and he knows me and I love him and I know he loves me. I'm so sorry when I disappoint him. And sorry when I don't live up according to his word and I'm sorry when I... I don't need a hammer. I just need that gentle conviction of just knowing that I've hurt somebody that I loved. That's the opposite of legalism. That's the opposite of hard preaching. Where there's love, there is no law. There's just liberty, freedom. Let's pray.